So we're back. This is uh, part two of episode seven. Welcome back. Welcome back. Nice. We're not dead yet. <laughs> Thankfully. Where did we leave off? Uh, health department stuff? You had the, the story about the Cream City, the bricks. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, you know, like, I, I, I like history. I like when shops have some kind of theme to them. Um, I seriously get so depressed when I walk into another tattoo shop, and it's like another batch of, like, craftsman toolboxes and hot rod looking floor and it looks like they put it together very hastily um seriously speaking it's like the customer's first reaction down the stairs or coming into your shop um should should they should have a good feeling of this is your first impression on how creative you could possibly be you know and so many of these shops are put together with like just crappy floors crappy paint the walls are all dinged up like what are you doing here? You know, like for real, I was just out in Florida and ran into like some off the wall tattoo shop. I'm like, we got to go in here. And it was just tiny little front room flash on the walls, a couple display cases full of the world's worst China tongue rings. And like (laughs) one guy arguing with a client and, uh, you could you could only see like the one doorway that went back to whatever the hell room that people are getting tattooed in. I'm like, for fucking real, you think that somebody's gonna come in here and get shit? Like, what a joke. I mean I couldn't I couldn't even tell you where it was. It was in Florida on our big Disney vacation or whatever, but like fucking barf. I need to see that once in a while though, because I still have to remind myself that these places exist. And if you're listening to this, if you have a shop like that, close it and start over somewhere. <laughs> Like, do something different. Paint it. Move. Like, move locations. A little trip back in time. Yeah. I've been in a few of those shops. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I didn't even want to talk to the guys that were in there. First of all, I had a hard time, like, figuring out who was actually working there. There was only one guy behind the glass cases, and he was already in conversation with that other guy. But I was like, I'm not... I hope they don't ask me a question. And here I am, like a 20-year tattoo veteran and can lay some badass tattoos, but, like, I don't want to talk to anybody that works here. (laughs) (laughs) about anything i don't even care if the guy would have had a damn lamborghini outside i don't care that would be it that's a that's a hard pass for you i know you're a car guy oh yeah car and bikes yeah yeah but yeah i mean i needed a shop with a theme i needed it to be themed to me i like old antiquey stuff um i here's here's a weird one i almost almost i'm talking like was real close to turning my shop into like a japanese zen garden because i was so into you know jujitsu judo japanese background shit um that i was like man wouldn't that be neat but like how long is that gonna last you know like the magnitude of that my shop is is seriously like 40 feet wide and over 100 feet long so it's it's big and even past where the tattoo booths would be if i had like even a koi pond down there or a Zen garden or something like that. Um, that was only a small part of my life doing, doing combat sports and stuff. So like now I haven't done it in a long time. So the, that would have been gone, you know, like seriously, even if it was like a decade of my life, I just themed a shop after this. So I, I'm, I needed to do something timeless real bad. Um, I think that that would have worn off in the St. Cloud area too. Like, Oh, did you go see that place? Yeah. There are a bunch of rocks and a couple of fish in there. Cool. It would have been done. Like, nobody would want to go back, you know? But have you seen my shop yet? Have you been there? I have not, unfortunately. Uh, we're done with this. <laughs> Get the fuck out. <laughs> Wax the microphone over. Going, See you later. Going to Top Golf. Fuck it. <laughs> uh, it's, uh, it, if I had to, 
explain it to the to the blind right now who are who are listening. Uh, I should I should clarify not in person only online. Yeah, seeing pictures. Yeah. Uh, pictures are only good enough. You almost have to be there to experience it because when you walk down the stairs, there's the front desk, and then you turn to the left, and that's the holy shit moment. I knew it when I first looked at my Craigslist ad. I went down there and I looked. I, I turned and I looked myself. I'm like, holy shit! Like it looks bigger in person than it did in the ad. What the hell am I supposed to do with this space? And I wanted that. I'm like, I got to do something. And I I. I made it look like a living room, an art gallery, uh, an antique store. Um, I really designed it after one of my favorite exhibits in the Milwaukee County Museum. It's the Streets of Old Milwaukee, which I think they're going to demolish soon. They're going to take down the whole exhibit. Like, they're going to take down the whole museum, I guess. But um, it was always my favorite going there as a young kid on the buses we'd go to the museum and the streets of old milwaukee is they had it all decorated how like the settlers used to come so you'd see like the jewish house the russian house the uh german house and all the little different ways that people lived and they came and they were settlers and stuff and it's all like 3d exhibits so there's like mannequins of people and how they were dealing with their kids and a baby over there and like the fireplace crackling over there and then they'd also have like businesses set up on on part of this too like the eye doctor and the the pharmacist and all these like eclectic looking little buildings. I'm like, can I live here? Like, that is so cool. I mean, it's like fake streets and fake trees. I'm like, man, this is so neat. I want to do something like this someday. I wish I could have made my shop to that magnitude, but I wanted that feel to where you walk down in and then you see everybody's booth is like their own room that they can decorate themselves. So like, that's the way he wants to live. That's the way he wants to live. That's the way she wants to live. Um, And I've actually had people come to my shop from Milwaukee before, not knowing that this is like Cream City Tattoo and they're just college kids and they're like, so where are you from? Milwaukee. That's why I named it Cream City Tattoo and those chairs over there, they're from Milwaukee County Stadium. And and then they're they're looking around the shop and be like, oh my God, this place, this looks like the museum. I'm like, fuck yes. Like people figured it out. It's so great. Um, I just wanted a nice themed shop, though, and make it look nice. I mean, who wouldn't want to get tattooed in a, a shop that looks like a living room, a coffee shop, uh, you know, a nice little area, yeah. you know? Like, you guys did a nice job with this this front portion in here with the couches, and it's not, it's not, it doesn't feel chintzy, you know? Yeah. I want I want seating arrangements where people can walk in, and you can sit in, like, probably eight different areas in my shop if you're, like, a, a person that just came in to, like, check the shop out. I mean, we got the whole art gallery. We got uh, different chairs and tables set up all over the place. I got, you know, stadium seats that from there, uh, from the Milwaukee County Stadium in there, and people can sit in those. And it's just uh, very eclectic. I think, not a bunch of craftsman toolboxes and checkerboard floor. Yeah, it's like the epitome of a tattoo shop: the checkerboard floor. Yeah, you know, I mean, like that first shop I ever worked at, it was like. The crappiest floor he could have put in there, cove base on the leading up to the walls. The walls were all dinged up. I'm like, how are they all dinged up? You guys just moved in here. Like, who wrecked all this already? You know, nothing had a cool paint color to it. Well, Milwaukee, I think you had to have white walls for a really long time, which really sucks. But now we're also past that, and the health department, I think, doesn't care if you paint the walls black or not. But, yeah, we can we can make nice painted choices and, like, this is leading back to what I just said. This is our first, uh, our our first. Uh, you know, uh, why why am I losing my words right here? 
um, the customer's first response to how good their experience. Yeah. Like I want the person to walk in and be like, yeah, this is where I want to get tattooed. Not like, Oh Jesus, do we are, can we leave now? Like we're just leaving. There's not a guy in the corner smoking a cigarette, the loaded shotgun next to him. And yeah. And the dog and the dogs. Uh, well, and you know, like even at, at, um, another shop I worked at, I mean, there's was nice couches right in the lobby. And if none of the guys had anything going on, guess where they were? They're in the couches. And now all of a sudden the, the customer walks in the front door. They can't sit on the couches where the portfolios are because you guys are in them. And maybe that person doesn't want to go look at the body jewelry cases. Now what the fuck do they have to do? Like they're on display. They just walked into the front door and all these people in the shop are looking at these people like, uh, yep, we were just leaving. I mean, like that's, this whole world is a bunch of introverted turds now. So like you gotta, you gotta create like little corners they can run to, you know, I think that's very important. Even before then, I remember going, you know, before I was really deep into tattooing, going into shops all around, all around the States. Anytime I had traveled, um, my brothers used to compete in powerlifting. And I remember going to Vegas for one of their meets and this was probably, maybe 2003 before the whole social media craze and the TV mm-hmm. shows. And the, the first shop I went into, it's like all the guys were sitting in the chairs and laying on the couch out in the front. And I walked in, you know, and it was just silence and they're staring at me and I'm staring at them. Nobody said shit, you know, yep. they all got sunglasses on and, you know, Mr. Cool Tattitude. And I, I bet I was out there right before that. I went out there for Ducati Revs America 2002. Okay. Um, yeah, that was crazy. Cause I walked in a whole bunch of tattoo shops on the strip and I was like, so what's going on in here? I'm like, you guys aren't doing anything. It's but like, yeah, it's like all the same. Just, yeah. You go in there. It's like, there's a few pieces of flash on the wall. Mm-hmm. You got the guy smoking behind the counter, you know, and it's like, oh, boy. Did you ask in price comparative what was going on back then? I didn't. I tried to talk to some of the guys at the first shop, and I just got the feeling like they just wanted me to get the fuck out of their shop, especially after I told them I had just started tattooing. Yeah, I did the same, and I didn't I didn't catch that much of a cold shoulder, but I really uh, get a kick out of some of these people who think tattoos are too expensive these days because back then um, – <laughs> I mean, I was looking at guys in the Chicago area and like even some of the guys around Milwaukee were charging like 125, 150 an hour. And like that's 20 years ago. What yeah. hasn't gone up in price since then? Still a lot of our tattoo rates. I mean, everybody in this state, even if they're even remotely decent, are charging 150 to 200 bucks an hour. Yeah. So really like we're still, we're all right, you know, but it's not like we doubled our prices since, since 1999. No, we definitely haven't followed through with the economy and how things have grown. And- no. But when I was out in Vegas at a couple of those shops, I would point to some stuff, be like, well, what do you, what, what would you guys get for that piece right there? And I'd, I'd, you know, point to a piece of flash be like, oh, it'd be like three, three fifty. I'm like, holy fuck. It's like a two inch piece of tribal. And we would have been doing it in Wisconsin for like 80 bucks. Yeah. So, and that was, yeah, like you said, that was even before, uh, Kat Von D was fucking tattooing Ami James doing half a million dollar tattoos on people because they're on tv you know no thanks what what, what's your uh what's your opinion on the tv shows and how they progressed and how they started um i think it's good and bad uh good meaning now people can watch and get into our industry think they're getting into our industry from the safety of their own couch and remote control um, so they can do their own research where there was no research before. Like we used to have to tell people to go, you know, here's here's a, a good way to research tattoos. Go to the fucking bookstore. And there's like 
four or five tattoo magazines. Just go buy a couple and start to look and see what's being done around the world. But now they can see what's being done, so they think, around the world on these TV shows. And it at least sparks their interest, whether they're going to use it, good or bad, to like go do their own research. Um, bad, I think people hold anybody on TV in too high of a regard. Uh, you know, for a long time, it was like, jesse james you know same thing there's like at least one guy in every state building way better bikes than him but somehow he got on tv and uh, like now i'm a huge fan of his because he's he's done absolutely like wondrous things in his career and now he's on a new new tv show so this is kind of going to backfire on me but like for a long time you just you forgot about him he went through the ups and downs of his life and nobody ever sees that really till you really follow somebody's career you know who's these guys that started out on on tv now now nobody can remember who was even on the first miami ink shows so what what now is that good or bad i don't know like i guess everybody still remembers ami james and stuff at least i do because i watched it a little bit but like i don't know tv can spark a career it could also like make you instantly forgotten about um, David Blaine, I'm a magician, and David Blaine's the same way. In David Blaine's book, I've I've known him for, I mean, I, I don't know him personally, but I've known of his career for a really long time, and he will go into great detail about how he worked up that ladder to get where he wanted to be and showing magic to the right people at the right times and trying to impress the most important person in the room all the fucking time. Where does that get you? Um, successful, but yet also the most talked about in negative ways, so... I mean, the dude was biting a quarter and a half in, in 1998 when that was like kids' magic tricks back then, you know? But he got on TV doing that. <laughs> fuck. Like, How the fuck do you bite a quarter and a half? I don't know. <laughs> We're not really talking hard. about that. Yeah, better have it. Not Minnesota teeth. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> so, uh. Where where would you say you get your most of your inspiration from, business wise, artistically wise? I mean, where, what what pushes you? Um, business wise, I would say I get most inspired from just other businesses that are closely related to ours. Like, you know, I, like I said, I like to see nice themed tattoo shops. Who's next in line for that? Probably salons. I mean, you get these. I'm not going to generalize sexes here, but like, oftentimes might be a woman owned salon, and you know that she had somebody multiple contractors put in place to like put this put this salon together now it's a big endeavor and holy shit how did you get the loans to pay for this you know um i'm very inspired by stuff like that um just creative built businesses i guess but then i also like the the bigger i try to be in business the the higher the more big air i try to shoot and talk to other businesses that are like bigger businesses in the area especially when those people that run those take interest in what the hell I'm doing because we got a cool career and they might not. Like, they might do a shit ton of business, but they're still selling, like, water or something, you know? But, like, take bits and pieces out of their book, you know? What are they doing that would work in our business? I always love looking at at comparative stuff like that. But for, for tattoo uh, inspiration, uh, Instagram is just so fucking good. I mean... When I first started to hear about that, it was when my first apprentice was in the shop. He's like, you should be on Instagram. I'm like, you should shut the fuck up and, like, get out there and hand out flyers and meet people like I told you to. Not hit on every chick on Instagram. Like, (laughs) get the fuck out there, sweat through your shirt a little bit, and go fucking meet real people. 
Like the college is right over there, past the fast food places. Guy, get there. Um, you know, but now I realize the power of Instagram. It didn't take me much longer than like a few months of playing with that to realize, like we talked about before we started recording, that, um, you know, all of a sudden you see guys on the other end of the world, on the other uh, opposite part of the globe that are like doing the same thing that you might be barking up that tree. And it's like, oh my God, this guy's like doing the same stuff I would like to be doing. Holy shit. And then here's another one tomorrow and two more after that. Oh my God. You know, over here in the States, when we got got into this it was just like who's in the magazines you know that was our our tv shows you know i i i tried to emulate jimmy litwa clean rock one all those colorful bubbly guys you know like uh tim bedron stuff it was awesome i got tattooed by him a long time ago i wanted to be tim tim bedron so damn bad um and then eventually got into like just wanting to be more of a black and gray guy and looking at some of those guys and and all you had was was tattoo magazines and going to the conventions nowadays you got you can go on on everybody's feeds and and podcast or not podcast but like video logs and you can watch your favorite people tattoo live and ask them questions because they have an assistant there watching do you know how fucking hard it was you know you know but i'm going to ask everybody listening to this <laughs> in a little while this if i wanted to go watch guy atchison tattoo i had to make sure that i had enough money to go to the detroit tattoo convention weasel my punk ass to the front of the line to go get up next to him and like watch him work on somebody's piece that i can't fucking afford and uh you know maybe get a question in 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 there like he'd turn around and grab his water and be like hey how's it going uh great it is going great right now what green is that oh lime green from starbright i don't know what the fuck he used but it was like magic potion shit yeah you know I'm like, oh, my God, I got a question answered. And then I'd take that one little snippet of information back to Milwaukee and tell the whole rest of the shop, do you know what Guy Atchison said? He uses ink to tattoo. That's what the secret was. <laughs> what the fuck? Real water. Yeah. It's real. Now you can go harass, like, your favorite people, and which is awesome because I also like to take that one step further and tell everybody, like, don't hold anybody in such high regard because – I don't give a shit who anybody is. They're tangible. And I used that not that long ago. When I first opened my business, I was uh, talking religiously with my good friend Pat in town. He's a, a traditional media artist. He works for a marketing company, and he's also a really good painter and digital painter and works for, like, hip-hop bands and stuff like that in his spare time. So I was like, dude, I want to get, get Crayola here to do a seminar. He's like, get real. He's like, he's not, you, no. I'm like, bullshit. I bet. What's the worst that's going to fucking happen? I get an email back in three days telling him, telling me to fuck off. He's like, yeah, probably. I'm like, I'm going to try. So I sent, I sent him a message. I'm like, I got a huge art gallery. I got a 2000 square foot art gallery. I can, I can have a, I can have a seminar in here. Would you do a seminar? Um, cause you can't go to his place and take a paint class. So his, his wife, who's his uh, good assistant, emailed me back and, and was like, no, you know, he has, he's only done a couple of those before and, you know, we're really not interested. He's kind of busy right now. I'm like, but, 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 but. I had all these questions. I'm like, how about it? And she's like, well, yeah, in that, in that case, uh, yeah, let's let's set something up. In a couple of days, I, I got a, not only did I get an email back within like, within 48 hours for sure, but we had the date booked within like three or four days, maybe even five, I think, um, on a, 
and, and we pulled people from all over the world for that. I mean, there was a guy who flew in from fucking Australia to come to the Cream City Tattoo up in St. Cloud, Minnesota to watch Crayola paint. This guy could have hosted his own paint seminar. He flew into Minneapolis, came to my shop, then came back down here and flew out to New York, I think, and like went and had like a U.S. vacation and then back home. There was guys from uh, guys and girls from all over the like one one guy in particular was only three hours north of Crayola's shop in in California but he's like I can't he doesn't do seminars I had to fucking drive here he drove from fucking California all the way out here uh to be at this seminar it was cool and you know what I did before that leading up to this was I had a friend in town, another artist friend, get a hold of the, the health department list of all the tattoo shops, and I'm like, here's some Minneapolis-based ones, and here's some over here, and here's some over here. I'm like, start calling these and telling them that we're going to have this seminar here. And there was so many... He, he would, after a few phone calls, he'd come over and be like, why are all tattoo artists assholes? I'm like, what are you talking about? <laughs> He's like, I just got off the phone with a shop owner, and it's like... Oh, you guys are doing a paint seminar? That's cute. None of our guys are doing that shit here, so just take it somewhere else. I'm like, wow. I bet there's going to be at least two or three people at that guy's shop that are going to be fucking pissed that that he didn't tell them about the seminar. Absolutely. And it happened. There was a really, uh, I mean, to me, everybody's doing their own thing, and everybody's busy. Maybe it was often overlooked, but there was a very high-profile tattoo shop here in the cities that was like, oh, I wish we would have known about this. I'm like, oh, we told you. <laughs> so, burn. I'm not trying to make this a competition, but you were told, and you didn't show up. Mm-hmm. So that it, was fun. But everybody's tangible. Yeah. That's a huge sidetrack, but that's a good story. No, I definitely agree with that. That's that's for sure. Holding, yeah. Not not to hold people in high regard. Yeah. Or put them so far. And upwards. it wasn't because I was a shop in Vegas. It wasn't because I was Ami James of Miami Inc. I was like, I said what the fuck was going on. I had the space to do it. I had the the ways to make it work. And a dude from California who's like one of the best painters in the fucking world right now came to our little ass town and did his thing, and it was fucking awesome. Do you think that's also part of like the technology and social media thing where that's kind of a drawback of it to where people see people and they start to put them in such high regard because as you know you can make yourself look however the fuck you want to look on social media you can look like a fucking multimillionaire. yeah you go out and rent a rent a portion of lamborghini and boom yeah or huge with art or tattooing yeah yeah um yeah that unfortunately it's like the yeah the material possessions can can be uh held in in a weird high regard but like I guess in our industry, like when you when you put out pictures of your tattoo work and it sucks, it sucks. Mm-hmm. You know, like <laughs> that's instant credibility. It's like you can tell within two swipes of your thumb if a guy's or a girl now, uh, anybody. I should say, I usually say person. You can say any person's tattoos on their Instagram within two flicks of the thumb. You can tell if they're for shit or not. I mean, that's if you're an artist, but if you're a general consumer, I think it's a little bit tougher. Yeah, that's that's in the eye of the beholder, though. I mean, man. Speak, like, well, speaking in terms of quality, but it, just for what looks good, I agree. Eye yeah. of the beholder. I mean, there. I, I ran into a bunch of that when I was training some of the first apprentices that I had where I was like, they, they'd show me something, and I'm like, well, that's. I think you could work on that a couple uh, – talking about a sketch. They might have brought me a sketch and like, hey, what do you think of this? I'm like, I think you should redraw that once or twice more and come back to it in three days and maybe give it a 24-hour break and then come 
see if you still like it. Well, the customer's getting it tomorrow. Oh, what did what'd you say? Like, come again? Like, well, they already love it. They want to get it. And I'm like, who's in the right? Who's in the wrong right here? Because years ago, we would have been told to fucking eat shit and redraw that 20,000 fucking times. Whereas now I got a predicament where this guy thought it was nice enough to show a client. The client thinks it's cool. And is, the, is my guy going to do a good job applying that tattoo? Despite the artwork, is he going to do a tattoo that heals in good? And is this out of his caliber of application technique? No. So the customer is going to get one, a tattoo that's clean. It's going to be well done. I'm sure it's not going to need too much of a touch-up. Do I think the drawing sucks? Yeah. What the fuck am I supposed to do at that point in time? Other than look like an asshole to the... I mean, I don't care if I look like an asshole to my apprentice at that point in time. Like, fucking redraw it again. But the client is already like, I want it. I think it's cool. Fuck. Fuck. What do you do? (laughs) Yeah. You just look like a dick. It's like, I'm going to have this asshole redraw it two more times. But I like it now. Now you're stuck. Ooh. What do you do? All I can do is just keep doing better tattoos. You know, make sure my stuff doesn't look like that. No first drafts. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I continually tell my, even my apprentices that story now, or like we got another guy at the shop who's like wanting to be an upcoming apprentice and I give him drawing tips all the time. Like if, it, you know, it was a, a striking moment to him the other day. He never thought to turn the, the drawing around in the mirror. I'm like, if you're drawing something that's like not particular, doesn't have lettering in it, you're not going to turn that around. But like if you're drawing something, turn it around in the mirror and look at it. Like digitally we can do that in two seconds on hotkeys. Like that's good drawing technique, you know, but like some people still don't know about that kind of shit or taking a picture of it and looking at it yeah, through a different lens of some type mm-hmm. your tricks always good or just put it away and come back and look at it tomorrow and be like, yep. Oh my God, I drew that yesterday and I was proud of it before I went to bed. <laughs> Fuck. Sleep on it for a little bit. You yeah. let that ego die. Yeah. Yeah. So do, would you, do you prefer working more traditional hands-on or do you like digital format better? I really want to utilize my iPad more. I mean, uh, I would say even a few years ago when we were still using like iPad 4s and whatever and like the the non-pressure sensitive styluses, I was like, man, this is cool, but this really sucks. Like I feel so limited by this. And then I got into the Wacom tablets and that was pressure sensitive and I had really good luck doing that and I really liked it. And then all of a sudden the iPad Pro came out and we could... It was, it was great. Um, do I use it even remotely as much as I should? No, but I want to push for that more. And it's seemingly my stupid ass. Every time I go grab it, it's like almost out of batteries and like the paper's not. So I guess I'll go back to using my tracing paper and the pen uh, or mechanical pencil. Um, so I, I still do a bunch of that. Um, but I, I really want to get, I, I would say I don't really have many like New Year's resolutions, but if I have one turning point, I guess this is all resolution shit. But like January 1st is always a good starting point to like start to implement little tiny changes in your life and like force myself to, like you say, draw, even if it's 10 minutes a day, is just like get something new going, you know, and make sure it's on the iPad. You know, I still like my Wacom tablet. It's broken right now. I got to get it fixed. But like all that new technology is so good. What drove you to the Wacom tablet? Is it Wacom or Wacom? Here's my story of that. <laughs> I learned 
um, when when it was just tablets and not drawing on the screen fancy shit, it was uh, Wacom or Wacom, and I've heard it Wacom from Ryan Church, and Ryan Church designed still designs all the Star Wars shit. So when I learned how to use Corel Painter on the computer, um, I bought a bunch of his DVDs and, and was like looking at some of these guys from the Noman Workshop and all that stuff, and all those guys were calling it Wacom. So I was like, I'm gonna call it Wacom. And if you ever call the company, that's usually what they say. But sometimes they might have like different language people, and it it kind of uh, strands or strings into like uh, like if an Asian says it, it's more Wacom. So it's in there somewhere. Yeah. But yeah, I learned how to draw on the one or you know use Corel Painter on on the, just the the non-screened tablets, you know, like the the traditional tablets that they had, whether they were big or small. I usually had like one of the medium-sized ones, and then all of a sudden when they came out with the big digital ones where you can draw on the screen, I thought it was the shit, and I didn't have that kind of money. I was hard to save up for it because all that came out right as I was like started my business. I'm like, shit, okay, this one's 2200 bucks. Do I want to transport that one around? It's 65 pounds. I can't take it home. If I leave it at the shop, I'm going to want it at home. I can't buy two of these things. Uh, and then they came out with the smaller one, so I, I bought one of those, and that was great. And then shortly after that, that's when the, the iPad Pro came out, and it, Wacom's still a, a better unit, kind of. Ooh, that's debatable. Not for long, probably. Yeah, but the iPad Pro is so good. Um, even, uh, you know, at one of those Tattoo Explorer conventions, Russ Abbott was talking about, and, and he promotes all that shit for the iPad. He's like, sorry, guys, I use Wacom. I grew up. And so he's kind of like punching everybody in the stomach right after they all bought all his <laughs> shit. I'm like, knew it, knew it. <laughs> Wacom technology is fucking awesome. But, yeah, you can really use the iPad pretty well. I think it comes down to what you want it for. If you want something that's mobile that you can take anywhere with you, mm-hmm. then definitely the iPad's the way to go. Well, the the Wacom's one that I, the Wacom that I had was still stuff. portable, but it barely fit in my backpack. But yeah, even the big iPad Pros is like they're tiny and nice. Yeah, yeah. What would you say it has over the iPad right now? Well, oh, you know what my my unit that I got the the I, I actually did end up buying two of them um, long ago. I had a, I I caught a deal. They were sixteen hundred bucks a piece, and I got them on some kind of crazy catch it while you can sale and i got i got them both for uh 1100 a piece so i was like i have to get these i'm gonna get one for myself and buy one for the the two guys at the shop um so they they can start to use this technology too so that i mean that they're old but it's still good despite mine being broken i sold one used and then now it's it's broken it needs like 500 dollars worth of repairs um but it's just good but it's droid based i'm not that guy i'm like i'm i'm like full on Apple person, I know where the files go, kinda like, and I use a, something Droid based, and I'm like, where the fuck is that? Where does it go? It, where does just? How do I do this? And now I got to do that shit for all my cars and motorcycles and shit. No, nobody uses like iOS anything. It's all. Oh, you want to run a fuel computer? Get a PC. I don't want a fucking PC. It's a piece of shit. Okay, I don't know where anything goes, and now I'm furious again. So. <laughs> Too, too much yeah. shit, too yeah. many buttons. Yeah, just make it work. Why isn't this working? Oh, the PC already took a shit. That's nice. <laughs> Guess what? My old fucking Apple still works, and it has worked for like seven years. 
what the it's hell? It's tough. Apple is so streamlined. I mean, Adam and I were just talking about this the other day. Like, I've used Procreate so much that I don't even miss Photoshop anymore. No, I it's so good. I get into Photoshop and I, I forget where the shit is anymore with it. Mm-hmm. I still use Photoshop for like lettering stuff. I like to, you know, go find new fonts and stuff. I used to hand draw lettering all the time, but I'm like, you know what? The whole world likes all these fonts, and I'm going to continue to do this. This is my French fries to McDonald's bullshit. Like, really, at the end of my day, my back hurts, and I just did a badass tattoo, and I'm not above taking this walk in that this girl just wants this little thing on her wrist. I'm like, holy shit. For, I mean, we all got shop minimums, and they're happy. They want to pay the price. They got their tattoo today. Oh, my God, she just wants the word love on her wrist. Fucking bang it out and be done, and they love you. They probably like that tattoo even more than the long tattoo that you just did six hours ago. Fucking awesome. Photoshop it is. Well, a lot of times with that Print. kind of situation, they already have the font they want. I mean, they found oh, it yeah. on Pinterest, and so it's... Yep. Yeah, Perfect. Yep. You could show her a hundred more fonts and she she wants the one that's in the photo. So Yeah. Yeah. It's so good. It's such a good time to be a tattooer right now. I mean, man, if you need extra money, just tell somebody that you have some open time and they will come in and get their little thing and they're gonna be just as happy as your big client. Yeah. Yeah, the economy is crazy right now. Super crazy. <clears throat> yeah, it's good. Um, aside from tattooing, what what would you consider your favorite medium to work with? Who electronic I, included. I have dabbled in everything, and luckily tattooing has been, like, good to me to be able to afford any, like, dabbling I've ever wanted to do. I mean, that pretty much afford, I mean, we can, we can, thankfully, because of tattooing, it's nothing to go out and buy a canvas that's, like, of top quality for 50 bucks. You know, even if you're going to paint on, the, on the, the student brand stuff at the stores, it's like, we can just get whatever the hell we want. We can write it off. It's no matter what you what medium you're gonna do on whatever stuff, you're gonna be better of it in your artistic lifestyle because you're actually trying something else on this other mediums. So like oil paint, it's expensive. It's awesome. Like get into that if you can afford it. Do it. Uh, I've I love oil paint. I haven't oil painted in a long time. I love acrylic, especially after Crayola came and told me how to use the paint. Holy shit. Uh, holy shit when you actually use acrylic paint in his format the way he uses it and all of his little tips and tricks and techniques I don't know why anybody would touch oil paint ever again uh, but it's so time consuming but one of the I mean digital is great I could go into great detail on that I want to be so much more better at digital stuff this year for various reasons but the one thing that I'm still drawn to right now um, and I'm, I'm really torn with this right now because of the way I have to paint is working with one shot stuff, all the pinstripe paint, all that enamel, because I've always wanted to do that. Uh, you know, I grew up in, uh, going to car shows. Who's like, look at all that pinstriping. Yep. Who the fuck did that? How the hell do you one shot? You, I figured you needed one shot. You screw that up, boy. You're done. Um, now I realize you can screw up the whole shit and wipe it right off the car. <laughs> um that paint is so cool uh it's very basic i like it a whole lot because i can get back to basics with it and i can paint you know i can use like gold leaf and all those metal leafing tech uh you know techniques and stuff and um it just paints so clean i mean when you want to do you could take 
a good tattoo design and like start to paint it in the in in your tattoo style with this one shot stuff and then lay all your line work over it and it almost gives you so much satisfaction that you laid all these lines so clean that it's just like tattooing i mean you get done and you do a, a good line work in a tattoo and it's like man that's good can't wait to put this online you know because that's like some of the first stuff people gravitate towards is like how the hell did you just line that like that yeah i love that shit and to me that's how one shot stuff was so i kind of loaded up on a lot of that paint over the past couple years and been doing that but my downfall on it is i usually lay everything i'm painting on really flat on a table waist high so i'm like benched bent over hunched over on this shit and my arthritis has both middle fingers pointed right at my face like i cannot do that shit i'm like painting my own tattoo signs outside the shop right now on a table in my garage and i'm like dying it sucks. You should invest into a standing desk that tilts. I'm going to have to, but then I don't know where to put that because um, right now I, I wanted to paint in my garage and I have a problem with some of the other stuff that's taking up space in the garage. If you get one that tilts, it'll it'll flatten out. So just like the old ping pong tables yeah. that push together. Um, but still, I'm out of room for that. So <laughs> it's it, all my paint stuff is going to have to come back to the shop, which I did my my tattoo studio, which I didn't want because I kind of don't have a place to paint there, but I'm going to have to make one. Um, but yeah, something's going to have to change because I can't, I can't paint on a table like that anymore. Yeah. Yeah. That's tough. That's tough on your body. I've got, uh, mm-hmm. for my office, I'll bring you back there after this. I've got a standing desk there and then I bought one for my house and then the drawing table at my house. I have the old school mm-hmm. standing drawing table as well. Yeah. But that and a good floor mat, like yeah. one of those standing mats. Yeah. Worth every penny. Well, and here's here's my thing, too, with my arthritis in my lower back, which is, like, scaring the shit out of me sometimes in my career. But um, when I started to notice it the most is when we'd all stand around for hours at a time watching the MMA fights. I'd be like, oh, my God, I can't stand here anymore. Like, this sucks. I need to, like, bend over and do some stretching or something. Like, just standing around for, like, three, four hours was killing me so bad. I mean, it would lock it up. To where I could, I didn't even want to put my shoes on the next morning to go to work to fucking tattoo for Christ's sake. You still do any jujitsu or judo? No. Um, as much as I'd like to, I think I did that out of opportunity of meeting the coach that I did at that particular time because I tattooed him way back. Okay. Um, he told me that he had a, a, a studio in town that he was doing that. I'm like, I'm there. What days? I'll, I'll start that. So I did that, and it also helped with the frustration that I hated where I was working at the time. I really, really disliked working at that studio, and it was like, go choke people out four nights a week or do it at the tattoo shop. Turns the volume down on things when you get to do that. Yeah. Yeah. Holy shit, was I getting fucking pissed going to work there. Um, But then when I opened my shop, rewind a bit. When I was doing judo and jiu-jitsu, that was like all I was doing. I had a lifted Jeep. I was having fun with that a little bit. But I didn't have motorcycles anymore. I didn't have the cars. It was it was kind of rebuilding my life. So I had like one toy to play with, and then that was fine. I wasn't golfing. I put, I shelved my golf, and golf is lifelong. I grew up golfing. I'm like yeah. really really fucking good at it. Ever since I've known you, you talk yeah. about golfing a lot. Yeah. So when I opened the shop, um, and it started doing better, I'm like, oh man, like I can't. I can't be working out every morning. I need to get in here. I need to do this stuff. It, it kind of ate up my, my morning workouts, prepping tattoo designs and all this stuff. And then at night, I was like, my, you know, two nights a week judo, two nights a week jujitsu at two different gyms. I'm like, holy shit, 
holy shit, how do you do this? You know, they once said that Houdini in his short lifespan lived two different lifestyles, two lifestyles worth of life within one lifetime. And that's what it is. I mean, I was staying up till, till all hours in the night researching other stuff and get three hours worth of sleep, come to work the next day. I'm like, something's got to fucking cool it because the business was suffering. I mean, you can't do all the business owner stuff with keeping up that lifestyle. No, so um, I kind of got out of it little by little, started to fizzle away. And then once I got back into cars and bikes, I started to buy another bike and get into that. Then I picked up the golfing again, and I'm like, you know, I, I could make a career in golf. I'm not going to be a judo instructor because I'm going to fall apart, you know. Um, it's just the inevitable. So I, I just started to pick up my old hobbies again, which is cars, bikes, and golfing. And, you know, that I can still be excellent at that shit without spending the time that I was spending on the other things. So I wish I could do it all. Holy shit. But I'm not also the business owner that's just going to walk away and come in at 3 o'clock and be like, you guys doing good? What are the numbers at today? Yeah. Yep. I'm greedy. We make a good living. I'm <laughs> yeah. going to, like still work as long as i can work yeah, it's, t- it's tough to walk away from something you love doing mm-hmm. yeah. yeah especially since i got friends now that are just getting into mma and all this training and they're like <laughs> hey do you know this move i'm like i did yeah, thanks for bringing it back up again now i feel bad i haven't gone in a long time cool but i can't even do that anymore i went to judo like about a year ago probably last winter enrolled one time with the guys i'm like oh my god i forgot my favorite like strings of how to like fuck the opponent over oh what happened here like you remember the basics but i'm like all those little like magic tricks are all gone i'm like oh my god i forgot how to do this this was my go-to yeah your opening moves are there but then the the combination it's like whoa wait a minute yeah you you forget if you don't stay with it you forget yeah you get dull yeah very dull very quick just like drawing oh (laughs) Sometimes I open my iPad and want to get back into drawing something that I used to be good at. <laughs> and I'm like, I need to make more skull stuff. Why am I haven't done that in a few weeks? I need to get back. And then all of a sudden, everything I draw turns to a turd. <laughs> I'm like, what the fuck? Been pulled into commissions for weeks at a time, and then you want to draw something you're actually good at and you can't. It's like it's, yeah. beyond artist block. It's just not working. That frustration, yeah. Uh, so I guess, uh, let's see, we're running up on the time here. What would be the most batshit insane crazy experience you've had throughout your tattoo industry career or however you'd like to put it? it just general experience happening, yeah. something, something that, uh, that, that, that you experience that is going to stick with you until the end. Well, we could, I mean, in a nutshell, in a nutshell, this is a huge nutshell. Um, I, I not only pierced and tattooed, but I got into like scarification, branding, implants. I made medical tooling. I made like the my friend and I that used to. I used to go to his house every morning. It was around. He lived around the corner from my house. On the way to the tattoo shop, I'd stop there because he had his machine shop in the basement, and I'd have him make custom body jewelry for me for all these different applications that I was doing. So that was my friend Derek. Um, he with my advice and intuition we created like one of the very first microdermals in his basement and put it in his finger like 
and caught heat for it around the world because it was on BME. Oh, that's not going to last. I'm like, it's on my jewelry manufacturer's finger, dude. He's like, he knows how to perform surgery on himself. He knows what I do. I'm really good at what I do. And like, you know, that was one of the weirdest things ever to like me and like one or two other people in the world making a little tiny microdermal transdermal implant that still needed surgery to put in. Like, I don't get credit for that. Derek doesn't get credit for that. Nobody really even knows, you know. So, I mean, like, that's kind of weird. But, like, nobody even knows up in St. Cloud anymore that I do can do implants. I don't advertise it. So I've done so much shit that now I'm just, like, just a tattoo artist. How nice, you know. <laughs> and I still don't even get to do all the stuff that I want to do. I mean, I, I, I straight up laid down piercing. I am not a Minnesota licensed piercer anymore i gave that up i can't even become one anymore um i don't do scarification i i can but don't i think i've done like one or two pieces in the last five years um i can suture somebody up like a motherfucker i mean i've had doctors compliment me on my suturing skills from doing implants and all that shit i mean making all those fucking tools that's even how i knew the guy in St. Cloud, he was one of the only piercers across the whole United States that bought the implant tools that me and Derek created. Um, we created a few sets, and he was the only guy to cut the check. And then where do I end up working? With that fucking guy at his shop. And now we got both my sets of tools in the same <laughs> shop. So, like, I have stories for days on that. I mean, just doing crazy implants. And, I mean, I, I got my horn implants uh, put in in a hotel room at the piercer convention in vegas i mean what what year was that probably i mean that set was probably 2004 2005 maybe okay but imagine being down i don't even know if this hotel the the riviera is gone now isn't it does anybody know Ooh, that's a good question i think it's gone is that in reno no there's one in reno and vegas i've only ever been to vegas i've never been to reno but it was in the, the riviera we were across the street at like circus circus i think is where we cut my head open and we go back down to the floor, we're laughing, and, you know, I'm not drinking, but, like, everybody's laughing it up, having drinks. And here, I just got implants put in my head in a fucking hotel room, and we're all laughing so hard that the sutures break open, and one starts leaking down my fucking face in a major hotel on the Las Vegas Strip. <laughs> cool. <laughs> so we go back up to the hotel room and fix that all to come back down and have it happen, like, two, three, four more times. So I just, like, went, went to bed. Um, did you, so at some point, did you take those out? No, I still have them. No, I actually, did, were they out for a short period of time or they've just always been in? No, I, I, my very first set went in probably in like late 2003. And now I could probably honestly say, and I would love to have somebody check this somehow, but I have the biggest set of horns that has been in ahead the longest. Ever, there's been plenty of people who have gotten like bigger horns than me, but they've had them for less time or they've had bigger ones and taken them out. Um, I don't, I don't think anybody's had horns as long as I have. And even like Enigma, his are gone now. Yeah. Um, everybody else who I've known who's had them as big as mine or bigger, they're, they're gone or they haven't been there as long. So that's kind of neat. Have you experienced any issues with them? No, and all those years of judo and rolling around and slamming each other down, like, those those are the implants that lasted. I I couldn't bear to take them out. I took everything else out. Wow. I had implants in my hand, on my arms. I had transdermals in my forehead. Um, All that stuff came out to do combat sports. 
Yeah, because when I saw I saw you at a jujitsu tournament at one point in time. Yeah. Fucking damned if I can fucking remember when or where it was even. Um, oh, it was the submission hunt, I'm sure. Yeah, most likely. Yeah, was, uh, that's the only other one I ever went to, yeah, really. Yeah, Anoka County one. Okay. Yeah, uh, did you ever do any of the ones out in uh, Wisconsin, uh, Badgerland Jiu-Jitsu? No. Okay. Yeah, then it must have been submission hunt. Yeah. It had to have been. Yeah, I only went to that a couple times. Because I thought I remembered seeing you there with those in and oh, thinking, yeah. like, what the fuck? Did he, did he take them out? Or, like, because there can't be, you know, I thought, like, there couldn't be a quick change for it. So, nope. you know. Like boop, pop them in, pop them back out. No, I wish sometimes. <laughs> yeah, they still fit in helmets. Sometimes I gotta like cut away some important helmet foam, but they're in there. <laughs> what are they made out of? Uh, my mine now are silicone, but when I first did them, okay. we had access to like implant grade Teflon. So <laughs> a lot of people ask like, "What made you put horns in your head?" I decided on this in about fifteen fucking minutes. My friend Josh, who used to pierce at the Ink Lab in uh, Uptown, would come to where I was where I was working in Milwaukee, and he would uh, come out there, and we'd talk about surgeries because he was part of BME, and we had like surgical friends, and um, he knew how to do this stuff. So he would come out and like do a couple things on a couple friends of mine, and then I'd in turn learn how to do some of this stuff. So one day we're sitting around the tattoo shop. And we had nothing to do. And he's, I'm like, man, before you go back up to Minneapolis, I'd really like to like get something implanted before you go. But I'm like, what the hell do I have? He's like, where's your bag of shit? So I, I break out all my, I had a couple pieces of like chunks of implant grade silicone. I had all these like Teflon rods and balls and di- of different sizes. He's like, well, I could cut some of those in half, and then we could we could do like horns or uh, you know half balls in your arms or something like that. I'm like yeah, I suppose we could. I'm like, okay. I took these half inch balls and cut them in half of the saw and like shaved them down and then ultrasonic them, cleaned them up. I'm like, these aren't as pointy as I'd want, but like, this would work. Like, let's, let's do horns in my head tonight after work. He's like, all right, let's do it. So that's how they went in and that was it. And then I've had them. I mean, the next time he came back down, we replaced them with bigger ones um, that I also had uh, my friend Derek help me custom make. Cause I, I wanted to use a lathe on these next ones. We shaped them really, uh, really close to what a dot candy looks like. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't, it wasn't like the shape of the horns that I have now that, which look like a range bullet, you know, like a, you know, a regular gun bullet. Um, they're like tall and, and pointy. These ones were more shaped like dot candy where they were kind of like squared rounded at the top. Cause I'm like, well, if they get any bigger than this, my helmet is probably going to push my skin over this and make them like push out it's not going to be good but then once those were in i started to ride my bike i'm like i still can't feel these in my helmet this is awesome we're going bigger went to third generation and that was when it was in uh we went to silicone ones then that were shaped like the more of the range bullet shape like the steve hayworth ones that he made so i I put those out in my head out in vegas and then came home to milwaukee ran around with those for a little bit and i'm like i helmets are still good let's go bigger fourth generation put the fourth generation in and then uh we ended up going to the uh the size that i'm at now so like five surgeries to get them as big as they're at now and now i have a little bit of problems with certain helmets okay but certain helmets go right on other ones i gotta cut like the foam away but for the most part they lasted and they're good that's pretty amazing 
That's pretty yeah, fucking cool. I'm I'm surprised I haven't had like some kind of incident knock them out or something. Because like even when I had an implant in my hand, um, I had one of Steve Hayworth's old uh, titanium like captive beatering looking things in my hand. And damn it, if that thing wouldn't hit all sorts of shit. It's just like when you get a new tattoo and somebody's like, hey. <laughs> and it, like, dude, you could have hit me anywhere and you hit the tattoo that is brand new that you couldn't even see through my shirt. Like, why that arm? You know? like, But when you have an implant, like even with my transdermals that were in my head once, I'm leaning forward to clean something in the sink at this one tattoo shop. And all of a sudden I feel tink. I'm like, oh, my God. I just leaned so close to this metal shelf that it just went tink in my forehead. I'm like, I've been that close to this shelf this whole time, cleaning cleaning equipment, never really noticed till I had different size spikes in my head. So with that implant in my hand, I'd be like walking around the house and all of a sudden you walk right through your bedroom door and you go through the door, but guess what doesn't go through the door? The very top of that fucking ball has skin on it and that is now stuck to the door frame. So like twice I damn near opened that up to like the last couple layers of skin where I'm like, that's going to have to come out tomorrow. Mm. So I'd put super glue over it and like hope for the best. If it starts to deteriorate tomorrow or the jewelry showing through, it's got to come out, you know, fucking sweet. Self-made emergency. (laughs) (laughs) Well, shit. Good stuff, man. Um, Can't thank you enough for coming down here and doing this podcast. Yeah, this is fun. It's been a pleasure. Yeah, keep doing these. I'm going to start my own up there. We're going to do that car awesome. ones. Car ones. Love to have you back on again in the future as well. Yeah. For sure. Definitely. I can always keep it going. Awesome. Uh, yeah, anything you would like to say or plug? Um, Not really. I mean, I guess I could just plug the shop one more time. Uh, you know, Ryan Shep, Cream City Tattoo, located in St. Cloud, Minnesota. Our website's got everything you need to know at creamcitytattoo.com. Um, all of our artists are on Instagram. That's a good way to go. And definitely for like any appointment making stuff these days, we always encourage emails first and then we'll go from there. Thanks guys. Yeah, no worries. Um, you can find me on Instagram. It's, uh, at Michael Tejeda dot art, uh, T E J E D A dot art. Um, yeah, come on out to the Minneapolis tattoo convention and see us. It's going to be a good time. Yeah, we uh, we will be out there. We'll have some uh, shirts and stickers made up for the podcast for the uh, two people that are listening and the, the one person who's listening in Europe. Uh, I think we're up to, to three people now, maybe, something like that. Uh, and you can find me at Inktailor, Instagram at Inktailor, Twitter at Inktailor, Facebook, uh, Inktailor.com, I-N-K-T-A-I-L-O-R.com. Uh, thanks again, Ryan, for being here. It was fucking awesome. Thanks for having me. Uh, yeah. Thanks for listening, guys. Uh, see you soon.